Welcome back, Wakey Wakey. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, for back with another edition of The Winkly. And here, laughing in the background, is my co-host here nearly every Tuesday, Michael Weissman. Mike, why, why, are, you, why are you giggling? Why, why all the titters here to start the week? You didn't even break for that one, dude. You went straight on through into your intro. It was just constant, just no no pausing whatsoever. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah, you drink, a big, you drink a big bottle of water, and then you speak from the diaphragm. You'd be amazed with a strong diaphragm what you can do, Michael. I was expecting you to break. I was like, he's just going to, it's going to cut out. It's going to, it's not going to work. You know, you nailed it. No, nailed it. No, quality microphone here. Quality microphone, quality co-host and quality listeners. Thanks so much for wow. joining us here uh, for the start of the Winkly here Tuesday through Thursday. Um, before we get going here with all the news and my preview for the show today, uh, I'd like to start off on a bit of a somber note. Um, we did have uh, two losses in the pro wrestling community over the past five days. Um, so I'd like to start by sending out our condolences uh, to the friends and family of King Kong Bundy and the father of AEW's uh, Jungle Boy, Luke Perry. Uh, of course, Luke Perry um, was known for 90210. Of course, his son now, Jungle Boy, working at AEW. Uh, but King Kong Bundy, larger than life, uh, one, of the, one of the few pro wrestlers really in history to be able to make the leap uh, over into mainstream success. Uh, he was seen on Married with Children, did a number of commercials. Uh, big loss uh, for the pro wrestling community with King Kong Bundy. Um, Michael, I, I don't know. I know Bundy was probably a little before your time. He, honestly, like I only really caught the tail end of Bundy's career, but do you have any uh, anything you'd like to say or memories you'd like to share about the loss of King Kong Bundy? A, a huge name in the wrestling community, right? You're right. He was before my time. Uh, he was kind of one of those guys that were fading out as I was kind of coming into my pro wrestling fandom in the, in the mid-90s. So don't know as much about his career other than the fact that I know he was a big name and had some really big moments that you see in video packages and everything like right. that. So is a huge loss. And, and the same for, um, you know, a different kind of loss here with Luke Perry, uh, obviously a bigger loss for the wrestling community because he is the father, as you said, of jungle boy. However, just in general entertainment landscape, Luke Perry was one of those guys who was just really well received. You heard so many fantastic stories coming out about him and how good natured and good hearted he was. And there was this great tweet going around last night. It was a picture of him in the upper stands I forget, it was from maybe some uh, New Japan event last year. I, I don't remember exactly where it was from, but it was of, of Jungle Boy Wrestling, and you could see Luke Perry in the background, and just a kind of an emotional moment. So a huge loss on both accounts for us as entertainer, entertainment fans and wrestling fans. Yeah, and uh, I know he had, I know Luke had a hand in producing, I believe, the uh, Ric Flair 30 for 30 documentary. He was also very good friends with uh, David Arquette, former WCW world champion David Arquette. So uh, sending our thoughts to him. And, uh, yes, without King Kong Bundy, I, I would also note a lot of people say – we would not have gotten uh, Hulkamania and the rise of popularity of 80s uh, and, and early 90s pro wrestling. So uh, with that, uh, let's move on to the first show of the day here. We've got interviews uh, with some wrestlers making waves in the present. Uh, first off today, uh, later on the show after the news, uh, I'm going to be releasing the interview that I did last week with Sonny Kiss. Now, Sonny Kiss, uh, you may have seen him at Capital Wrestling, just got signed by AEW openly uh, gay man wrestler. He's in a couple. He's got a boyfriend in pro wrestling. Uh, very, I, I love this interview a lot. You get to hear him talk about what it means to be in AEW. Gets to, gets to, uh, means to him to get to be a role model to young uh, gay children out there that are, that are watching pro wrestling and maybe don't see other people they can identify with on TV. So I can't wait to air that one for you. And right after the Sunny Kiss interview, our own Scott Fishman sat down with PCO, who's been on the show a couple times. 
but we've never heard him talk to Scott. So you're going to get Sonny Kiss and PCO along with Scott Fishman here later in the show. And uh, t- throughout this week and into next week, while I don't have any of the interviews uh, airing today, I was at MLW's Intimidation Games over the weekend here in Chicago. Crazy awesome show. 2,000 plus uh, fans in attendance. Uh, a riot nearly broke out uh, at one point. Uh, with uh, cups being thrown and water spilling everywhere. Felt like I was at a 90s WCW <laughs> show. Did you see the video I'm talking about? I have not seen the video. That's crazy, though. That's insane. Oh, my God. It's so good. They, it was so good. It had They got some old-school heat in MLW's Intimidation Games. Also, a great cage match on that show. But anyway, I got four interviews there. I won't spoil what they are. We're going to air two this week, one tomorrow, one Thursday, and then we're going to air the other two next week. So a lot to look forward to. And uh, lastly here, before we get into the news... Um, there was an announcement that was made yesterday. We just ran it on the site this morning. Uh, Ring of Honor is going to be hosting their Festival of Honor event the night before uh, their Madison Square Garden G1 Supercard with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And as part of their Festival of Honor event, they had listed uh, Matt Taven's Arm Wrestle Kingdom, right? It was just on the program. It sure. Just, and um, if you know me, um, if you know me well, I've, uh, for the past couple years, occasionally worked as the MC. <laughs> and commentator for the World Arm Wrestling League, which is now owned by Bleacher Report Live. Anyway, I saw this. I asked Ring of Honor if they'd be interested in talking to WAL. Uh, I put the two in contact, largely forgot about it, and then I got a call from my buddy Jay over at WAL that said, Nick, um, not only did we come to an agreement with Ring of Honor, WAL will be sponsoring this event. We're going to be sending out uh, a referee, some of our nice arm wrestling tables. I don't want to spoil too much more because I do want there to be some surprises at the event. But WAL, Ring of Honor, have teamed up to present Arm Wrestle Kingdom. It'll, it'll be hosted by Matt Taven. There'll be some other talents involved that I'm not allowed to talk about either. But I can tell you that I will be emceeing this event alongside Matt Taven. So me and Matt are going to be hosting Arm Wrestle Kingdom at the Garden the night before MSG. Can you believe that, Mike? Wow. I, wow. I, I get to play the Garden with Matt Taven in the cast of, of ROH and New Japan the night before. That is amazing. Isn't that, That's really cool. Isn't that crazy? I did not expect uh, that. So, so you're not going to the uh, WWE NXT show? No, oh, no, no, no. no. Armor, uh, Festival of Honor will be before the NXT show. Oh, that's right. That's right. It ends before him. That's right. So I'll spend yeah. my day at the Garden. Then I'll go to TakeOver. And, then... and we'll get crazy drunk. And then until ah. Sunday, we'll just be crazy drunk all weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, Michael and I. You can find Michael and I after TakeOver that night drinking at a bar somewhere. That would be a good night for us all to get together probably after TakeOver because yeah. that's a shorter show. Yep. Um, uh, all right. Uh, so that's all the news at the top of the show. Let's get into the news uh, you can use news that'll leave a bruise here on the Winkly. We're going to start off with a Wrestling Inc. exclusive that we dropped yesterday. It is regarding Arn Anderson's release. Now, um, I can tell you that I was responsible for sourcing most of this story, along with Raj Geary, who also uh, helped me source this story as well. I'd heard about it for a little bit over a week, but we, because of the nature of the story, did not want to talk about it before we knew uh, almost everything we could and everything we wrote we had verified several times so here's uh, what happened Arn apparently was released for allowing alicia fox to perform intoxicated at a wwe live event in february now we've tracked down alicia's last wwe appearance to a live event that was february 10th so i would imagine that's the show i did try to find some video of her performance in the ring Nothing really looked amiss, but that's how the story goes. Now, apparently the word got back to Vince, and Vince was furious, as he should be, (laughs) and Arn was let go. 
Apparently, this was not the first incident with Arn that had raised eyebrows with Vince, but it was the final straw. According to the Observer, sub- several WWE talents are siding with Arn Anderson in this one. Um, and the last note about this, Alicia shared a, a Instagram post yesterday um, talking about resilience and bouncing back. Mike, what's your... What's your <laughs> <laughs> thank you. What is a lot your, to unpack there. <laughs> dude, and I felt bad because when I originally... Cause when I originally got told, because I started asking around, and I asked some people I thought might be in the know, and I, when I first heard this story, and I started poking around to see if it was true, before I could get anybody to verify it, I had a lot of people say to me, I hadn't heard that, but I believe it, you know? Mm. Um, apparently, you know, and, and I think you can, in the kind of coded language we've heard in other interviews from folks that worked with Arn that we've aired on the Winkly in the past week or so, um, you hear him talk about how Arn's a wrestler's wrestler. You know, he comes from a time before when things were different. And I think this was just a case of the old school, you know, not not blending in with the, the new, more corporate, new school environment. And uh, I think that's why Arn left. Mike, what's your what's your take on this story? Well, I just the, the way the story has evolved in the last week where we heard about Arn Anderson's release and it was kind of like Arn Anderson is the victim here. He just couldn't get along with McMahon and kind of that typical old school wrestling is getting squashed out by Vince McMahon and his new corporate demeanor, right? And so, and I should say new, I should say the last two decades of new corporate demeanor, but but that's what it felt like originally. Arn Anderson kind of getting pushed out because we don't need the old guys in wrestling anymore. Wrestling is different at sports entertainment. But then when you hear this story break, and kudos to you and Raj for kind of doing the legwork here and getting all this information out there, which is incredible. But you, you hear the story break and the details here about that Alicia Fox was allowed to perform intoxicated, which... God, if you're if you're a fan of professional wrestler safety, as you should be as a professional wrestling fan, anybody performing inebriated is always a red flag to me. And I don't know to what extent, to what level, but even the little bit, littlest bit, right? Even that little bit of lacking judgment, it might have been fine back in the day because it was kind of just under the radar. Professional wrestling was what it was. But this day and age, with what we know about the safety of the human body and how delicate all of this stuff can be in the ring and the slightest thing goes wrong. Look what happened with Oscar last night at a house show. The slightest thing goes wrong and, and it can create real damage or temporary damage at the very least. And, and somebody was inebriated going out there being allowed to perform. God, how was that? Okay. Again, we don't know to what extent, right? You said you looked at the video, didn't look that off, but even, even if yeah. it was noted, how can you let that happen? And then secondly, how could Arn Anderson let that happen. And I think that's what stands out to me here, right? Your article said not the first incident, it was the final straw. Um, but but I'm also surprised now because there are talents siding with Arn, and I would think they would be on the side of Alicia Fox here. Or not Alicia Fox, but of WWE, again, protecting wrestler safety. Well, so it, it's a weird story. I, I, I Again, I, I we only reported what I was able to vet. I know there are some other reports out there about Alicia's current condition and what she's going through and we have not been able to source any of that so we won't comment on that um but with arn i mean it does seem like you know if he was the point person i don't know again we i was not able to verify if he was the one that like saw her walk in smelled whiskey on her breath and was just like get through this you know sit on you know take the last tag take the hot tag and don't do much or if he didn't really know but it was a case of him just mismanaging the team right where he was just top dog and because it happened on his watch you know, he was the one that had to take the fall for it. Oh, I don't, I don't know. But I, I do know that, you know, unfortunately, Alicia was allowed to perform intoxicated here. And Arna was the one that appears to be responsible and took the bullet and, and looks to be leaving right now. So, um, our, you know, a very unfortunate situation. I've heard a lot of reports of people saying, you know, that AEW may be looking to bring Arn on and work with him. You know, uh, 
I definitely think that, you know, if this was a lesson learned thing, um, Arn, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know what to make. I don't really know the full details of it. I just know that Elise showed, showed up intoxicated, was allowed to work, and Arn got released. So, very unfortunate. And it's sad to hear this kind of story, too, with the guy, with the legacy of Arn Anderson. This is never kind of one of those stories you want this late in your career to kind of sure. start to tarnish. I hate to say tarnish, but make people reflect on on your career and your legacy a bit different, you know? Ar- Arn's been kind of bulletproof for a number of years. I mean, he's been with WWE since WCW closed back in 2001, right? So he's been around the block with this company at a time where wrestlers have come and gone and legends have come and gone. So this is kind of one of those things, maybe there was still that kerfluffle between him and Vince kind of brewing under the surface anyway. It's probably for the best. If it's not, you know, if Arn isn't directly responsible, to your point, he was just the top dog and kind of got laced with this because he was the one ultimately in charge. Uh, it is it is a little bit disappointing, but at the end of the day, Arn, small thing here, I think, in the bigger scheme of things, he will end up okay. AEW would be a perfect fit for him, especially with the kind of show and roster they're trying to build over there. I think it's all going to be good at the end of the day. It happened. We're moving on. Um, well, yeah, well, well we're, know, mo- we're moving we'll on. Happens. We're moving on. I'll be interested to see how Alicia is handled here going yes. forward, right? That'll be the big tale of the tape here. I don't know if you know she's uh, taking time off, seeking treatment. Uh, whatever it may be. Also, I don't know how wrestlers feel if Arn was released because of something Alicia did wrong because Arn was so beloved. You know, that that can create some tension in the locker room. A lot of different factors in play here. So while these are the facts of the case that we know at this time, the case is still in some ways fluid and, and we'll touch back and, and fill you in if we find out anything else. All right, let's jump to Raw last night. Um, Batista appeared on Raw, um, cut a promo saying he didn't want to be there, uh, that he hates the fans in Philly, got a lot of heat. Um, Triple H then cut a promo about Richard Fleer, the man that he knows, started to tear up talking about him. I'm just, man, we talked about, I think you were on Thursday, right? So like a lot of this stuff we're like following up on our conversation, I feel like from last week. Um, you know, but I, I talked with you on Thursday, think about how I worried Batista was going to get cheered. And after this, it's like, Batista looks like runaway badass. And I, I mean, Triple H has done so many, you know, kind of heinous things over the past year so i don't know that people are you know wanting to cheer this guy you know it's a weird dynamic right because you think batista's coming in as the golden child fans are going to love him because he's been playing drax he's been all the things we talked about last week right he is a natural fan favorite at this stage in his career being a legend and 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 a movie star right triple h has been playing an authority figure that's kind of been towing the line but his wife has been real healer so it's a weird dynamic here and, and same thing goes to the becky lynch ronda rousey thing with with stephanie we'll talk about in a minute but here triple h comes out and i have to you know again it was a very triple h promo let me get real growly and scowl my face and get real intense but triple h always cuts those promos like a champ and so you know triple h did his darndest out there i think Putting him as in the corner of Ric Flair is a great way to make him seem sympathetic. The stories he told really do have that resonance you want as somebody is trying to become a babyface. I think all that was well and good. I think part of what it is is it seems like Batista just wants to play a heel. There was this great article last yeah. week or two weeks ago about him kind of honing his craft and wrestling and everything about his art. It's not about being the biggest blockbuster star. He wants roles that matter. And I can very much see this being Batista wanting to come in and he, he could very easily play a fan favorite. But maybe my purely my speculation here, but maybe he wants to come in and play a bad guy for this final run of his career, but kind of play a badass bad guy in a way that he's not done in quite some time. Because even his promo via Instagram was really good. He used the cheap the cheap way to get heat here, but still a really good promo from that perspective. So um, interesting dynamic, but 
what solid, happens, solid work for both men. What happens the next time Triple H comes out and like chastises Becky Lynch, though? Right? I mean, they're not going to do that. Are we not going to see that? Have we changed well, direction? Does Triple H is he like I don't know? Because I put on Twitter last night. I, put, I tweeted a couple things last night that were like quasi critical of, of what I saw on Monday Night Raw last night because I feel like they're just all over the place. Sure. And um, man, I there there are so many. I've never received so many tweets from fans like rationalizing, apologizing, condoning the booking going on right now. Oh, Triple H was always like this. He was all it's like no man, no mf'er. This dude did not week to week during the attitude era like or not even week to week segment to segment like do good things one time like <laughs> play a heel in one segment and then come over and play a baby face in the second like maybe month to month, maybe a, a turn or two throughout the year, but this is this is next level mike this i've correct me if i'm wrong but i've never seen the character of triple h this specifically flip-floppy it's well it's it's every authority character right other than vince mcmahon but even vince mcmahon for a while has been coming out there he came out two months ago and was like we're in a new era and then he comes out a month ago and he's like playing the heel mcmahon who's kicking out the fan favorite all of the mcmahons are playing really weird characters shane mcmahon is probably the truest blue baby face we got but they're all playing these weird in-between tweeners who go back and forth, and that seems to be what WWE is kind of banking on this day and age, is a guy can be either a good guy or a bad guy at the snap of a finger, but it doesn't work. It works better for Triple H. Triple H is a little bit insulated because he has been the face of NXT for so long from a corporate perspective, and fans, reson fans really like that, and that resonates with people. I think... Even in the Becky Lynch scenario, he came out and he played a stern fatherly figure, but it was never outright heel in the same way that maybe Stephanie and especially Vince have played. So Triple H kind of gets away with it. People tend to want to like Triple H other than those kind of hardcore internet fans. Right. But it's Who still, were defending it's still him weird. last night? I've ne I, seriously, I got heat for that and I got heat for this next thing. We'll talk or heat with a bunch of people on, on Twitter. I said that the lack of defined baby faces and heels has really muddied the waters going into WrestleMania for me. And I was specific, and I put a gif of Ronda attacking Becky because this, ma this match, man, Becky versus Ronda, right? And you could have even found a way to, to make Charlotte into work in there to keep it compelling and fresh. The, the, the choose-your-own-adventure style of booking they have chosen for these three is just, I mean, I'm burned out. Um, I don't know what to make of it. It it feels overbooked to me, not even on like a cerebral level or a subconscious level, on a outright uh, blunt level. Um, I, I feel like the momentum for this bout is getting lost week by week just because they're so screwy with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The fans were booing last night because, you know, I think they were expecting a pop when they said she can fight her way back into the WrestleMania main event. But fans were booing because we already saw her earn her spot what? a month ago, right? She won the and Rumble! Like the, she won. Know, no, she didn't win the Rumble. No, she did win the Rumble. Right. right. She did win the Rumble. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, like, it's like with the Daniel Bryan thing, right? It worked for Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan was an outsider look, looking in, right? Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, this dynamic's been going on since Ugh. November. Becky Lynch has been there ready to fight Ronda time and time and time again, and they just find arbitrary reasons to block it. And to your point, it's so confusing and convoluted right now that we as fans don't know where to place our allegiance. I mean, we, we, we all love Becky, right? But we don't know how to feel about Ronda. She's not really great on the mic. She's a good guy. Now she's fussing at us. Why is Charlotte even here? Great talent, but she seems out of place at this moment. It, it's, it's the problem they have right now with storytelling where either they're stupid simple, right? You have a 
heel faction taking on the shield, right? These three generic big guys fighting with no real motivation other than look, they're bad, right? Stupid, simple storytelling or this overly complex way of getting to where they want to go at WrestleMania, where they're basically doing somersaults and backflips and jumping through hula hoops to try to make it all make sense. To your point, choose your own adventure story style booking. They need some in between. We want solid character motivations. We want storylines that are going someplace and building, not this week to week. Hey, you were suspended last week. Now you're back. Now you're suspended again, so on and so forth. It's just nonsense at a certain point. Yeah, um, and they had to backtrack on two angles now that I think about it, right? First of all, the suspension is done, which may, like, I don't know how the McMahons, like, six, she's suspended, she's not suspended. This week, she's not suspended, right? Um, right. But Rhonda had to come out and was like, Guys, I didn't tell you I wanted to vacate the title. I was trying to tell you that I wanted Becky back in the match. And uh, I'm, 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 nobody understands me, Mom. And it's like you come across like a no. You come across like a dummy. I don't even apologize. Like the character of Ronda Rousey just comes across dumb. You know where it's like you. I don't know. It's like you want to get in and then you, they pull you in, they pull you out. I don't know. All right. We're gonna well, move- and I don't think this is covered in, in your kind of entire rundown today. So if I get ahead of you, I apologize. But yeah. it's the problem they have right now. People are like, writing wrestling is easy. Why is WWE so bad at this? Why is, they, why is creative so terrible right now, right? Except the problem you have is the layers of – you heard the story last week about how – they're up late. They have to run everything through Vince McMahon. It's not the writers at the end of the day who are struggling. It's that you're going through one singular vision, and that person has a really whacked out vision of professional wrestling sometimes. Um, uh, and before we move away from this, and we got to we gotta pick up the pace. We got a lot to get through here news-wise. <laughs> but uh, Becky and Ronda have been going back and forth on Twitter using profanities, threatening violence. Ronda called wrestling fake and pissed off Becky Lynch. Um very, and then and then last night on Raw, you know, they had Michael Che and, and Colin Joe's on, and, and Colin Joe's kind of played into the isn't this all fake type stuff, which I'm going to guess was pulled from the Ronda Becky stuff, and Braun Strowman laid him out. But what what do you think about what Braun, Becky and Ronda are doing on Twitter? Do you think it's good, helping, taking away, distracting, inappropriate? I mean, how do you feel about it? I think it's the most straightforward piece of this entire story, so I like it, right? You could say it's distracting, but it's generating the right kind of attention where it makes me want to see these two stare each other down. Again, simple storytelling. One, one woman hates the other woman, and they're calling each other the worst names in the world and really scathing insults. They're like, oh, no, you're a bad wrestler. No, you're a bad wrestler, right? It's actually like personal stuff they're going after. It's funny. It's clever. So that stuff works. You put them on Raw. It all kind of the illusion breaks down for me, right? So yeah, and the, and you know that's the thing is that I I think this Twitter exchange of anything is proving the point further that I keep hearing from a lot of fans that Charlotte does not need to be in this match, right? Yep. And I get you know again I think there was a I think there was a way you could have gotten Charlotte into this match without having to pull Becky out of it, injure her leg, and you know re put to Daniel Bryan and Stone Cold Steve Austin's booking in a blender and you know poop, poop out Becky Lynch. Um, which is, I think, really where we're at right now. So, I, you know, these two work so well together. I, I think I would have loved to have seen this more clearly defined between the two going into Mania. Anyway, before we get off of Raw, uh, Colin Joe's Michael Che did appear. They were three different segments. Uh, Michael Che, the babyface. Colin Joe's the heel. Exactly what I wanted. I love this. Uh, I'm looking forward to them as WrestleMania correspondents. And um, that's all I have to say. Any, any thoughts on these two? Weekend update? Biggest, biggest complaint. I love these guys on Weekend Update, right? But... They should be allowed to write their own jokes because otherwise they come across as just a little bit lame. Well, I get the vibe, Colin. I don't know about Michael Che, but I get the vibe Colin Jones is like a huge wrestling fan just from the look on his face. Yeah. And his yeah. Eyes. yeah. So uh, anyway, um, 
All right, uh, let's get to some other news here. WrestlingNews.com reported that Roman Reigns was telling fans uh, at a signing that they are working on uh, keeping Ambrose with WWE. Uh, Wrestling uh, Observer has confirmed um, there are rumors that he may be staying, but it also looks like he may be uh, definitely still going as well. Very complicated here. But anyway, The Shield is getting back together for Fastlane here, it looks like to take on the premier players, I think is what they're called now, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. One last hurrah, and I think it was on Thursday we talked about how for Mania, a, a Reigns-Dean Ambrose match may be the, the best thing they could put together, and, and I firmly believe that is the direction they're going right now after last night. It makes a lot of sense you would set that up at Fastlane this Sunday, and it would be, you know they've been announcing this as the final hurrah for the Shield, so I could see them going that direction. Of course, Reigns is working on Ambrose. Of course, he is. If he's back there, they want the three of them. They're all friends, right? They want to be hanging out together. So not not surprising. Um, let's see. We got a follow up here um, on the Champa injury that we talked about on Thursday. Uh, PW Insider reporting that Champa is currently dealing with a, ne- a neck injury. Now he is not cleared. It is not clear when he will return um, or be cleared to return. And this may cause them to have to change the plans for the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and NXT and take over uh, WrestleMania weekend, which I would hate uh, to see because Ciampa is, you know, my favorite wrestler in NXT. I think he's just been doing some incredible work the last couple of years uh, down there. Uh, Worst time possible for an injury right now. Absolutely, especially with where they were building towards going at Mania. I hope hope everything clears up. I know it's going to alter their plans. It doesn't mean we can't get to what we want for Mania weekend, but... Going to have to do some adjusting, possibly. Um, well, uh, speaking of injuries, uh, Mustafa Ali, who suffered a concussion, uh, returned this past uh, Saturday night uh, to a WWE live event. He was right back in the main event. He was taking on WWE champion Daniel Bryan, lost to Daniel Bryan. You know, a lot of times at these live events, um, this is a chance for people to, you know, find chemistry, rehearse stuff, try things out. Uh, I was very heartened to see that Ali was right back in there with Daniel Bryan in that main event picture. And uh, I, I don't know what that means. It's a clouded main event scene over on SmackDown right now with Kevin Owens, Mustafa Ali, and uh, Kofi Kingston. I'm, I'm starting to think we might see a multi-man WWE championship match here at Mania this year. Would make a lot of sense, but let me throw this one at you, Nick. What if there was a Daniel Bryan versus Mustafa Ali versus Kofi Kingston triple threat? Two guys who want to take down, both looking for opportunity. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, the heel everybody wants to see, take it, right? That could be fun. Yeah, and I like that both of them are kind of in the Daniel Bryan role, and here is Daniel Bryan now the gatekeeper of the WWE Championship. I think think Bully Ray actually pitched that idea, too, on Busted Open a week or so ago. And uh, Ah. you and Bully, same wavelength. (laughs) I don't listen to Busted Open, just for the record. Not not copying other people's ideas here. (laughs) No, no, that's fine. Um, uh, I'll be at the Busted Open WrestleMania weekend party, by the way. Dave LaGreca reached out to me. Oh, yeah. LaGreca's great. Yeah, those guys are fantastic. Not listening. I just don't have serious stuff for him. Um, so good to see Ellie back. Um, and it does, it heartens me to see him in that, in that, uh, fold, uh, wrestling observer did a follow up on the, uh, star cast LLC trademark on dead man talking, which would be a great name for a podcast with Conrad and undertaker, but it does not sound like that is in the cards. It sounds like uh, dead man talking could be used for live speaking events or a live speaking tour. But since Starcast filed the trademark, it does seem like undertaker and Conrad, are in bed together business-wise at this point. You, you get Chris Hardwick on there. You got a great post show on Sunday nights on AMC. Yeah. So there you yeah. It's like the exact same, right? Talking Dead, Dead Man Talking. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I didn't even yep. think about that. I just don't like Chris Hardwick, but go ahead. It's like, yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, live event speaking makes a lot of sense. Podcasts, there's money out there for that. But doing, if you can gather a live audience, people want to pay to see these guys in person in action. So uh, I think it's cool. 
It's a cool yeah, idea. And, you know, Undertaker, a Texan, right? Bruce Pritchard, uh, Undertaker from the Houston area. I don't think that there's any coincidence here that Bruce Pritchard is also a Houstonian doing the show with Conrad. I would think there's some maybe a, an intermediary there, friendship-wise, bunch of su- Southerners there. I, of course, from the Houston area as well. Uh, and on that, uh, Wrestling Observer reporting, Bruce Pritchard is apparently, uh, despite earlier reports, not heading or not the head of WWE's creative team. Technically, apparently, according to the Observer, he's not even on the creative team, but is involved in the process. He's still believed to be a key guy for everything involved, um, and he did comment on it uh, on his new position on the latest something to wrestle with, saying that he's just trying to learn from the new team and figure out where he fits in. So it sounds like Bruce just has a lot of room to run here and uh, kind of has his fingers in, in everything and is you know, going to be an intermediary, I would think, you know, kind of like what earlier reports said between Vince and these young writers. I love it. Last week, we all were watching Raw. It was revitalized. We said, oh, man, Bruce Pritchard is back. We can tell the product is better. This week, the product is no good. Oh, no, Bruce Pritchard is not head of WWE Creative. I was like, don't, I don't want that hot potato, right? So <laughs> it's good for him to be back here. Absolutely. I think it's a process. They're going to figure out where he's going to fit in. He's got so much historical knowledge. He even has a bigger following as far as being a, a podcaster and such now than he did in the mid-2000s, possibly. So I, I think it will be good for the company. We've got to have people like him who can act as Vince's right hand and kind of bring the creative ideas that are really good to the top without, you know, without fear. Um, And speaking of the creative team, pro wrestling sheet was the first report that Dana warrior, uh, the widow of the ultimate warrior has apparently, or is joining the WWE creative team. Cause we've got a couple reports here. PWinsider.com reporting. Dana was shadowing writers last week uh, at raw in Atlanta in the SmackDown the following night. Uh, She doesn't have a full-time position, but is being given the chance to show a woman's perspective, uh, as there are no full-time women's writers, I guess, at WWE right now. Uh, Wrestling Observer reported that Dana Warrior went to Vince McMahon. She said, I would like a full-time job with the company, as one is wont to do. And uh, and when Vince was like, well, what do you what do, you do, Dana? What can you do back here? And uh, she said she wanted to write, give a female perspective. She was given the opportunity, and according to the Observer, this is more of an intern role right now while she's shadowing and, and trying to get her feet wet and, and creative before being given the job. This one caught me very off guard, Michael. I have no idea what to make of this. I don't know anything about Dana Warrior or her creative side. Is that all it takes? I just got to talk to Vince and say, hey, can I get a full-time job writing? And he's like, sure, here you go. It's such a weird thing, right? Well, but she's she's been in, she has been uh, a stalwart in WWE since Warrior's passing, right? I mean, She's always at events. She's at charity events. She's been a, a face for the company. They, of course, got the, the Warrior Award right, right now that she's signed off on. They do it at the Hall of Fame. So it's not like I haven't seen Dana Warrior showing up at a lot of WWE events, but I have no idea what her creative capacity is. And if it's anything like her, her former husband's, uh, we can expect a lot more snarling on WWE TV, I guess, is what I would guess. <laughs> well, they're, they're, you know, if she wants a job and she's doing all that stuff, give her a PR job. That's perfect. A creative job. I just feel like there are a lot of really talented. I don't know her capacity for this, but I do know there are talented creative women out there who work in this field who could also have taken this position and been successful. The thing that bothers me the most, and it's no offense to Dana Warrior, I don't know her personally, I don't know her personal beliefs, but it's the way WWE has kind of doubled down on the Ultimate Warrior's legacy. This guy had issues. Every time I see his name come up, it's got issues. And yes, Dana Warrior should be allowed to stand on her own, but they are so intrinsically tying her to the Ultimate Warrior's legacy that it always kind of rubs me the wrong way because, again, if you go back to this guy in the last couple of, you know, Don, I don't want to speak ill of the 
the dead. But if you go back to what he was kind of saying and doing the kind of the couple of decades after he left WWE, but before he passed, it, it's not all real pretty stuff that you want associated no, with your brand. A lot of homophobia um, yep. in his comments. Very inappropriate stuff. I mean, uh, I'll bring up now, I guess, Sabu. His account has been suspended on Twitter for using the homophobic F word uh, on Twitter. You know, it's the it's an older generation, and you know I don't you know want to speak ill of the dead either, or Sabu for that matter. But you know, put enough stuff in your system, and you get all riled up. You know, sometimes mm. start to say some crazy things. I think, um, but yeah, I mean, there's no place for that um, in, in pro wrestling now or any anywhere. And I hope that none of that stuff follows over with Dana. If anything, I think that Dana and Vince probably find common ground because she's like, you know what? From a female perspective, women went out of wrestling beefcake like big like real like <laughs> like freakish beefcake covered in oil right freak like freakish beefcake you know now imagine imagine there was a God. woman wrestler yeah. and we called her the ultimate warrior s and that's just like bro there's an idea for yeah. you beefcake um <laughs> we'll bring a beefcake here in just a second again uh Russell, speaking to the creative team i'll wrap up the creative team discussion by saying at Russell votes is also reporting here uh, apparently there's another name at the creative table that's been getting a lot of uh, respect in WWE, and that's Jason Jordan, who's been suffering from injury. Uh, the, of course, the son of Kurt Angle on WWE TV, former tag team partner Chad Gable. Apparently very respected name at the table right now. Again, I don't know much about Jason's uh, creative skills, but he was certainly a very fine wrestler and uh, had, had great acting chops. Um, if he can't perform in the ring, I'm happy to hear he's you know doing this. I mean, he's Kurt Angle's son, right? What, what, what better role for him? Kurt Angle's been around the block. He's got to have some of that knowledge rub off on his son. Right? Well, you know, but Kurt, was, <laughs> Kurt wasn't there for Jason. So no, we don't really right. know the, the, the strong male influences in Jason's life, you know? I, I am always excited. Listen, Jason Jordan was, was, was pretty good in the ring, but I'm always excited when wrestlers get the chance to kind of express their passion and creativity for wrestling in other ways. Yeah. And a wrestler being uncreative, if he's the right kind of mind, like Matt Hardy is the example I go to here, it can really work out in positive ways i agree um tmz is reporting that nikki bella is reportedly never getting back ever. with john never ever thank you next we Woo. are never getting back together <laughs> we are never ever getting back together um she is currently dating her dancing with the stars partner artemis draw your own conclusions if you watch total bellas which i do she's very aware that everyone is drawing their own conclusions about her decision to start dating her dancing with the stars partner who, you know, she was dancing with while dating John Cena. So, you know, ugh, what a mess. You got to have some storyline for this season, right? So, I, I, no, dude. Well, that's, I mean, that is a storyline <laughs> for Total Bellas. But honestly, the bigger storyline is their return to the ring uh, just before Evolution. They're about to do the Evolution match, I think, this week on the show. Um, and uh, the the time that Brie kicked Liv in the face and, and injured her and got her pulled from some shows for, you know, giving her a concussion. It's it's actually a pretty decent season. If you want to go back and watch the season of Total Bellas, also very interesting about Total Bellas this season, you're really getting to see Daniel Bryan show his ecological, environmentally friendly side. And mm. um, we're about two months away from in recording timeline from his heel turn. Very interesting to see. I'm very interested to see on Total Bellas how he balances his genuine love for the earth and these, uh, these principles he has with having to go on TV and play a bad guy and present those... Um, you know, through that, that lens as well. So, you know, Brian, you know, uh, me and Fritzy were on that show. 
a couple years ago. <laughs> I know. Just FYI. <laughs> I know. You guys were in podcast row. I I, yeah, I was. He was. He was sporting news, and I was podcaster. That was my title. Ooh, <laughs> sexy. Um, well, <laughs> uh, another report. Russell votes. Uh, another report from them this past week. Uh, they were the first to say that Tori Wilson was going into the Hall of Fame. Of course, that's been confirmed. But they're also saying, speaking of beefcake, Brutus Beefcake is going to be joining the Hall of Fame as well this year. Apparently, according to them. Uh, some blowback here from Tori Wilson, uh, several female wrestlers stepping up, defending her place in, in the Hall of Fame. You know, for me, as, as far as crossover success goes and somebody you think of female-wise for WWE in the Attitude Era, I have no issues with Tori Wilson going in. I think she, she absolutely was somebody that, that grabbed eyes and, and kept people engaged, even into the 2000s. I discussed this last night on the Raw Post Show, right? The big thing here, she never won a championship, and that's kind of like some of the blowback, but I think that's actually a bigger, a poorer reflection on WWE never giving her a title right. because she absolutely has been around the business and had earned that opportunity. And Brutus Beefcake. What yep. a guy. One more to say. Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> Brutus Beefcake. Put him in. <laughs> Sam Roberts had Sean Waltman on his podcast this week. We had Sean on last week. You can go back and listen to that on Thursday, but... uh. Uh, the latest take Sean has on the Hall of Fame is he revealed that there may not be inductors this year because they just straight up take too long. They go half an hour. So uh, this year we could just have some hosts, probably Jerry Lawler again, uh, bring out the talent, do their in induction speeches, and move on with it. Um, I hope that's true. I don't want another five-hour opus towards <laughs> to, to wrestling. I think two and a half, three hours of the Hall of Fame inductees, given some time, probably a good call. No offense to the talent, that show's been a snooze fest for a couple of years because it's been so long. I would love to see some parameters put around it to make it a little bit quicker and more interesting. Uh, and lastly here, a couple non-WWE bits. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting Madison Rain uh, has departed Ring of Honor. She was apparently said to be creatively unhappy and requested her release. It was amicable. She's welcome to wrestle anywhere else. And with that, she is returning to Impact Wrestling. She'll be on the Impact Press Pass uh, Wednesday or tomorrow, Thursday, I think. Thursday is the press pass, uh, but we'll have a chance to talk with Madison, get her take on why she she left from Ring of Honor to Impact. But this is kind of this one kind of surprised me because you, you hear a lot of talent switching, but you don't really hear a lot of Ring of Honor guys going to Impact or guys or, or ladies in this case. And you know the Women of Honor division, Ring of Honor is not it hasn't gripped people, I think. And this was a big blow for them. I'm very. Interested to see what happens with Ring of Honor going forward following this one. Yeah, it's pretty cool um, for Impact to get a, a talent. Rosemary, obviously, a, a really solid talent here. And well, I think Rosemary, it's, it's... Rosemary re-signed with Impact, but I'm talking about Madison Rain. Oh, 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 sorry. I missed the, missed the transition there. Yeah, yeah, Madison Rain, too. No, listen, Impact Wrestling built its brand on women's wrestling at, at back in the day. So Ring of Honor has got some stuff to work out. It, it's, it's um, yeah, interesting time, but I'm glad to see women making what looks like positive choices for their creative outlook and, and professional wrestling careers. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show one of the newly signed AEW talents. You may have also seen him on Lucha Underground, and he will be returning to Capital Wrestling on April 7th in Newark, New Jersey. For Ready or Not, it is Sonny Kiss. Sonny, welcome to the Winkley. Thank you for having me. I can't forget Pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm glad to have you here, Sonny. I've been wanting to talk to you, of course, ever since it was announced that you were going to be uh, a part of the first wave of talent for AEW. I mean, how does it feel to be a part of this initial wave of, of AEW talent? I, I was just, like, speechless for so long. Um, first of all, I knew for quite a bit before it was announced, so I had to keep it a big secret. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I was 
overwhelmed, overjoyed. Um, every amazing emotion you can think of. I was just, you know, incredibly nervous, obviously because I was throwing shirts in the water. I was very, very much just nervous, excited, just a lot of emotions. And I was just so excited to be a part of something so groundbreaking. And I think like Cody and Brandy and the Fox and everybody were just believing in me. So, yeah. That's incredible, Sonny. Um, now, you say you'd known for a while, so that's a good lead into my follow-up question, which was, like, how did you catch the eye of, of those in AEW? Like, how did this come about? Um, so, I met Brandy uh, a few times. I'm not sure if she kind of was just researching me, but Brandy's the one who kind of, like, um, you know... She shot her shot. <laughs> she slid into my DMs. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, Brandy. Yeah, Brandy was the one who reached out. Oh man! And so, what about you? What What was she saying when she when she slid into your DMs? I mean, was it a purple grape? Whatever is a purple grape? It's not a grapefruit. Whatever they call it. I obviously don't text that well. You know the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, because I have no idea. Yeah, you know what I'm talking. About? But yeah, what she, what she, what she, uh, what she send you here in the DMs? What did she? What? Why did you? You know, pick her eye like that. Okay, so I don't want to like tell too much, but it was more so along the lines of basically like how anybody would approach or inquire about, you know, assigning someone or you know, because obviously it's you know with contracts and stuff like that. So right. you approach them with you know, um, seeing if they're you know able to work sure. and um without any conflict and we were able to settle that and that's how it went well, well and i mean that, <laughs> i know that, it's really vague i was uh, you know well i'll get to i'll get to some of the other aspects of why i think you may have caught her eye but that's a good question from her i guess about like are you available because yeah you have uh, been on lucha underground i know that there's a lot of talent that have issues with their deal i mean what are you Still contracted to Lucha Underground? Did you opt out after season four? I mean, what's what's your position right now? So at the moment, I, I will simultaneously be with both AEW and Lucha Underground. Um, they have some sort of partnership going on, so it does make it a little easy to be with both. Okay. Um, right now, it's just going to be both. You know, it's just for the time being, and you know. We'll see what happens. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's not unusual, though. I mean, Lucha Underground has a relationship with Impact Wrestling as well, where, you know, talent from that show has also been on Impact. So I would imagine something similar to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you, uh, are you, uh, but, well, I'll ask you one more Lucha Underground question. Well, I got you here. We'll jump back to AEW and some capital stuff. But are you optimistic on a season five? Do you, do you think there'll be another season for fans to enjoy? I, I'm trying to be. I'm re- I really am. And I think everyone is just kind of just like, you know, got their shoulders up, you know. We don't know. Um, I'm optimistic that there will be one. Uh, I guess just, that's just my faith in the show. But um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, I, I don't want to say too much either. Um, yeah, just, I just, I'm, I'm hoping for season five. I'm, I'm hoping it's happening very soon. Also, just because, you know, being under that contract, a lot of us are trying to make some money. So, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a little, it, 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 it has, yeah, it, it has some issues, you know, with, you know, not, not, uh, being on, on TV right now and, and just, I'm trying not to say too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to get so you in funny, trouble. I don't but... want to get you in trouble, but you know, it's, it's a situation that's kind of like got a lot of smoke around it and nobody really seems to know what the yeah, fire for sure. is. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh, well, let's get back to AEW here. Uh, you made your big AEW debut 
at the Vegas ticket launch party, right? In front of the whole crowd. You threw shirts mm-hmm. into the, the pool, just like you said. Um, uh, <laughs> I was so embarrassed, honestly. Because, <laughs> you know, okay, first of all, okay. like, I'm a dancer, and dancers are very clumsy. But not only that, when I get really nervous, I, I, I get really nervous in general, but when I get really nervous, um, I don't really think clearly. I think that's a lot of us, you know what I mean? Sure. So I was kind of happy to represent for all the klutzy people out there. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, no, I was incredibly nervous. And I felt like once that happened, it did make me relax a little bit. So I kind of halfway don't regret it, but at the same time I do, because Cody... I only gave him one job, and that was to give the shirts out and not throw it in the water. So, <laughs> just incredibly funny and, and terrible. And, oh, my God, I was like, ugh, I'm going to get fired already. <laughs> <laughs> Cody's like, we gave, you, we gave you one job, Sonny. Just get exactly. This. One freaking job, Sonny. You can't do that. Ugh, I was just... So embarrassed. I mean, I still kind of think back, think back on it and cringe just a little bit. Oh. Like I'm not gonna lie, oh. just because I'm just so like, why did I do that? Like it was just so embarrassing. And I like, it was the first time a lot of people have seen me in an audience. So it's like, uh, great. Like, <laughs> what's what's he doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. But, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, I didn't, you know, to be fair, it was just a moment in time. And in pro wrestling, traditionally, the, the biggest mistakes or the littlest mistakes become little rewards. So maybe it'll come back, mm-hmm. you know, maybe double or nothing. You got a kiddie pool on the outside. You go to throw a shirt. Winds <laughs> up. I'll have to like tease that or something, like fake it out or something. Like, I'm going to throw a shirt. Always in, being, <laughs> being the elite, always trying to throw shirts in the mall. They fall in the fountain there. It's like, oh, Sonny, we just got, you got to get the shirt in the people's hands, you know? Yes. There's a funny comment. So, a professional wrestler named Tony Deppin, I'm not sure if you know him, but Tony Deppin uh, commented because someone was like, Sonny oh, threw the shirt in the water. Deppin goes, uh, Sonny Kiss was the cheerleader, not the quarterback. And I laughed so hard because it's so true. Like, I definitely was not a quarterback. I was always more so along the sidelines. I was the dancer. Okay. I loved the cheerleading. <laughs> so it's really, really funny that he made that comment. Um, it's just like so quick and witty of him. <laughs> well, this is probably a good time for me to, to pivot away. We'll come back to the Vegas thing. But, you know, people are hearing you talk to me right now. You know, they, they may have caught the Vegas launch party, but you're a very unique wrestler in the wrestling landscape i mean you you put liberace to shame you know in some of the stuff that i've seen so tell people a bit about uh you and you know how would you describe sunny kiss to a, to a fan that's never been able to see you perform before okay so a lot of people kind of compare me to like super awesome great flamboyant wrestlers like gold dust and like agent not you know people like that you know people rico or whatever or as you know what they're saying now is like Velveteen Dream, but little do they know I'm actually an authentic version of all these people. Like these people are feminine characters, and they 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 do a great job at it, and I love them all. But at the same time, when you see Sunny Kiss, Sunny Kiss is authentic. Sunny Kiss is what you would see your your local. Okay, I wouldn't say your local gay guy in the neighborhood, but I'm just a guy who's just you know who's feminine, obviously. It's very apparent, sure. but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a wrestler and I'm not like a gimmick. Like I'm not a quote unquote gimmick. It's just, it's really just who I am. I'm just this flamboyant, athletic, flipping, you know, dude. And yeah, I'm just me. 
um, or a dude or do that, however you see me, because I don't, I'm very ambiguous with my sexual, um, my sexuality, like my gender is kind of like more so, yeah, I would say okay. <laughs> I'm not, I, I, I call myself a male, but I identify as gender neutral to the public. So if a person wants to talk or converse with somebody else about me, like you're allowed to say, hey, Sunny Kiss is a cool dude. And the person is allowed to respond and say, yeah, I love her. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. And so people are allowed to use both pronouns he and she, um, just based on how they see me. Uh, I, I like I said, identify as he or him. But if you're conversing with somebody about me, I don't mind if you use he and she uses she without it being conflicting or confusing. So yeah. it's just simply like that. Like I'm just I'm a dude, but if you see that you know visually. Um, what attracts you to me is my femininity, my my feminine personality, my feminine persona. Then you get to view me as a G. Or if you see, okay, he's just a dude, like he's still a dude, he's just feminine. Then you can see me as him. So that's okay. really how I break it down. And I'm just a wrestler. That's really all it is to it. Like I'm just and like anybody else. I'm just a little bit feminine or a lot feminine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, that, thank you for for clarifying that for me and for giving that description uh, of yourself to the fans that are listening out there. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to say uh, I don't, I live in Chicago. I'm not too far from Boys Town, so like you may not be the flashiest uh, gay man in the neighborhood that I live in right now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, so I don't know why you're not shooting. Uh, you know, didn't shoot any vignettes here when you're in Chicago. Anyway. Um, second, um, uh, second, um, you know, it's so cool to hear you openly talk about this. You know, I, I was reading about how you were in an openly gay sports entertainment, uh, uh, couple. I mean, what is, do you think that AEW is intentionally going for a more diverse and inclusive roster? I mean, you know, you, Nyla Rose, there's, there's, there's characters here that I don't think I would ever see in WWE TV. Right, but the, well, the thing is, see, people got it confused. People think that they're just hiring people just do their sexuality and it's not what they're doing. Right, no. They're that, hiring yeah. authentic people, you know, transgender and homosexual, like myself. Um, they're hiring people like that um, to give representation for, for uh, really good wrestlers, um, for people who, like, don't have that, you know, when they look on the television. Yeah. So people can look on television and see Nyla and see myself and like, oh my God, someone that's like me, but not a gimmick, like someone who's authentically and real like me. Like this isn't a character. This isn't for fun. This isn't like a derivative of something of who these people are. And it's like, oh my God, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this, per- this person is like me. So um, I think that that's what AEW is more so trying to do, not trying to push some quote-unquote agenda down someone's yeah. throat, which is what people are thinking, and it's really ridiculous. Because <laughs> it's just like, dude, we're just living our lives just like you are. And um, let me also make a disclaimer that like AEW or myself or Nyla is not trying to change anybody's idea or viewpoint of what um, how how life should be for them or what someone should, um, you know, do or think. We're not trying to push anything down anyone's throat. We're just basically giving people who don't have patient a role model and someone to look up to and someone to say, okay, wow, he is like me or she is like me or I don't identify with gender roles and that's totally okay. And you're allowed to believe whatever you want to believe because I totally am for that. Like, believe what you want. 
whatever religion, whatever, you know, whatever. We just want to coexist with you comfortably, is what I said on Twitter. And that basically means that I don't want to change your viewpoint. I just want you to respect me the same way you would want me to respect your opinion. Yeah. So that's really all it is. AEW wants to give representation for people who don't have one, people who don't have a role model. And that's really to sum it up. That's all we're doing. Um, it's nothing really more to it. There's no agendas involved. There's no, you know, this, no, no, that. No. And it's, it's totally fine if you don't want to watch or see me on TV or see me on TV or having to explain to your child. But this is sports entertainment, you know what I mean? Regardless of whether it's me dressed the way I'm dressed, and it's, it's silly. You're, there's people like this in the world, so you're going to have to explain to your child this and amongst other crazy things that, you know, that you have to explain to a child it's no different you know what i mean no no i i i think it's great i i applaud you for it sonny and that's an awesome outlook that you have on it i mean how does uh the pressure of being a role model now and moving into that phase of your life where you know that you know you're going to have a bigger platform and you're going to have you know young boys and girls looking up to you i mean and maybe they have feelings you know you know they have instincts like you do and i mean how does that how does that affect you being in that position now uh, I, I get so like tripped up on words, trying to find the right words for it, but it's just, oh my God, just so amazing. It feels so good. Like I've literally wanted this my entire life. So like finally getting it and like, cause like, I don't, I never had that representation growing up. So finally getting to be that is like, wow, like it, it coming to fruition is like, it's a beautiful thing. And I just, like I said, I still can't find the right words for it, but yeah. It's amazing. It's so surreal. And it's just, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, it's, just... it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's again, I'm so happy to see you in the landscape of AEW and I'm so happy to hear how well-spoken you are ab- about all of this stuff, you know, because let's be, fa- let's face it here for the past several decades, hundred years, pro wrestling has been a very conservative industry for the most part. I mean, how do you deal with people that have given you, I mean, have you, have you faced adversities on your way to this point in your career because of, you know, how you I- identify sexually? The same way I've always been doing it, um, I'm, I do it with, with respect, which is what we kind of need because you can't go for an eye for an eye, but we'll all just be blind. So, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to literally fight it with um, trying to understand and not mischaracterize other people because, you know, just because they're mischaracterizing you doesn't mean you have to mischaracterize them. You try to understand their point of view. Even my father, my brother, my father, my brother are not necessarily too keen on, you know, me being the way I am. So, you know, also it's just my father, his beliefs, his religion, all that stuff, that plays a role into it. So um, what you have to do is you have to understand that this is just how people are. And you have to try to try to understand and get them to understand you without making this argument, just making it this fight this eye for an eye kind of fight you have to get them to understand you with compassion um with educating them so that they won't be so ignorant even though some of them are going to kind of be ignorant anyway but you still have to educate them because at least if they're not going to believe what you believe in they'll at least have um you know the answer the the solution to what's really going on so um yeah that's how i've always been doing it you know with my brother i give him insights i kind of give him storylines i give them you know, a vision, a, a reality check on what, you know, what this is, because they don't, some people really just don't know um, whether it's, you know, 
um, how you live your life sexually, your gender roles, your pronouns, your identification. A lot of it is just pure ignorance. And a lot of people, you know, just don't know. They they really just don't know. And, they, and some of them don't want to know. But like I said, you just continue. I don't like you talking in circles. But you, yeah, keep, no. you just continue to keep um, giving them that knowledge and that, that information on, you know, this lifestyle. Okay, cool. Well, you'll be at Double or Nothing. You're in the over-the-top ro- battle royal. It's already announced. Um, I want to I mean, this isn't a singles or a tag match. This is, our, you know, your big debut in the ring for, for AEW. I mean, how do you feel about being in a battle royal and, and not a, a singles or, or tag match? First of all, I'm extremely, extremely nervous <laughs> because um, I've never performed in front of that many people. So... <laughs> Um, it's going to be a little bit nerve wracking, but I'm really, really excited. And I'm just, uh, it's just going to be amazing. And I can't wait. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know you're a dancer. Can we expect, uh, you to be joined by a, a troop of dancers, maybe something elaborate for double or nothing? Interesting. You mentioned that, but it won't happen for double or nothing, but just stay tuned because I have, well, Brandy and I have something up our sleeves, so good. Because yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much. Good, because when the Undertaker came out with his druids, I was always like, you know what? I wish those druids could pop and lock. You know, it'd be a lot more engaging entrance, in my opinion. Anyway, um, let's see here. <laughs> what what about uh, Oh yeah, who on the AEW roster? Who do you want to crack at? Which which uh which members of the roster are you interested in tangling with in the ring? Oh my god, um, so many of them. It's a really really like stacked roster actually and the funny thing is i've been like watching like a lot of like their stuff like i was watching kasabian and you know just uh jungle boy like i've been watching a lot of their stuff lately um and anyone i've i've i would love to wrestle anyone danny Guevara is like my best friend so i would love to wrestle with him in the ring and or team with him too i i'm more wrestling to be honest like there's yeah, there's nothing like better than tag wrestling. <laughs> but I would also just want to do that on the roster. It's just yeah, those those are a couple that I would love to face. Oh, Jericho too. Jericho's right. one of my inspirations. So I was about to say, really cool. no Jericho, no Omega. I mean, look, I'm a big Sammy Guevara fan. Don't get me wrong. Sammy's a a talent, and and you guys are gonna tear the the, the you know tear the business up. But uh, yeah, I, I, two things here real quick. I always work to everybody. I mean, I get so flustered. So, like, for me, it's just like, I, I would love to work with all of them. I was just naming those guys because they're also guys up and coming. Not necessarily up and coming, but like those guys are um, kind of just coming in with me too. And, you know, it's just, I'm excited to, yeah. There's just a lot. I want to work with a lot of the guys who are coming up too. So, that's really what it is. Uh, well, I'll ask, I got two questions here. I know I'm a little over the 20 minutes I said we would go, but uh, you, you brought up Jericho. No you got up Jericho. I know you guys were backstage together in Vegas. Did you have a chance to pick his brain? Did you get any advice from, from Chris while you had the chance? Um, Not really to pick his brain. I wasn't really worried about that at the time because it was just more stuff, just, you know, a professional environment where everybody's kind of relaxed, and I didn't want to talk about wrestling there. We actually talked about how I went to this concert called Rock Allegiance, and he performed, obviously, with Fozzie. And I'm a huge, huge, huge Limp Bizkit fan. Like, huge. Okay. So Limp, Limp Bizkit was, like, the, you know, the headliners at the event. And I'm just a huge, huge, huge fan. And I just, I was telling him about how I was there and how I watched him, you know, like, play. And I was, like, I enjoyed his set. And that's really all that we talked about. Like, I didn't want to, like, 
bombard his brain with wrestling stuff, you know. Sure, yeah. Uh, he likes to talk rock and roll too. Um, well, last thing I want to. Uh, well, last thing I wanted to bring up was obviously I got you for this interview through my good friends at Capital Wrestling, uh, who are doing some great work right now. That's large. I mean, I, I I know I'm familiar that you did Blue Underground, but I I kept up with Capital Wrestling a bit more, so I've seen more of your work from there. Um, you're returning to work for Capital and Newark on April seventh. Um, just talk a little bit about you know what Capital Wrestling has meant to your career and, and kind of helping you get to this this point that you're at now. Uh, Capital is kind of like this. Um, it's like my home. Um, you know, I didn't really start there, obviously, because it's a new promotion, but it's like a home because uh, it's really, really close to my house. It's always been. Um, it was the first capital allowed me to wrestle in my hometown, which is another thing that's really cool. Um, my creative direction in capital has been excellent because, you know, I, I'm kind of like the hometown hero. So it's just really, really cool. I'm just so thankful for Marcus and Matthew, um, just for, you know, believing in me. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it means a lot to my career because it's just like, it's that one place where it's like all the dedicated fans come there and they're just like so loud and it's always with the sunny chance. It's, it's just amazing. And it's just, like I said, it's so close to my house. So <laughs> it's amazing to like, see like familiar faces and stuff like that. But it's an amazing team, amazing production. Oh my God, scene is the bomb.com. And <laughs> so it's can- everyone, Candace, and, you know, Candace is like awesome. She's like my best friend on the show. So it's like, yeah, it's really cool. Everything is just awesome. I don't know. <laughs> I hope I answered your question. <laughs> you did. You did. I just wanted to be good to Maddie and Marcus and, and have you say some nice words about them. I mean, I know that this... Yeah, I get, I get so flustered, obviously, as you yeah. can tell. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, oh my God, okay, wait, how do I answer this? This is so much I want to say. Well, <laughs> I, I admire the hustle of those guys, those guys so much. I get one or two uh, emails a week from them that are just like, oh, we're, now we're in this market. Now we're in this market. I, I genuinely think Capital Wrestling based off of all the syndication they've, they've put together, you know, patchworked across the country, they're like the third or fourth most available wrestling show in the United States right now. It's wild. And I, I don't hear enough people talking about them, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're going to be something very special in the years to come just because of how much work they put into their product and how much effort they put into writing the storyline and everything. I think they're going to be an excellent, like, product in the years to come and i think people are going to know who they are exactly i'm going to be like watching them on a lot of different streams and i just can't wait for it and i'm happy for them good well uh sunny i want to thank you so much uh for the time i know my girlfriend's gonna like love this interview a lot um so uh i know the listeners out there will love it a lot as well um we've talked about all the stuff you've got coming up um i mean is there just anything you want to leave the listeners here with today before we're done um, no, um, I mean, you can follow me on social media at SunnyFistXL. That's both on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on uh, Facebook or, yeah, Facebook page. <laughs> no, it's SunnyKiss. And, uh, yeah, ProWrestlingTees.com slash SunnyKiss. So, yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Check out AEW May twenty fifth in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just a dork. Mm-hmm. 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 No, I'm just nodding my head. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, keep going. This yeah, is going. All this great stuff. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Hot close <laughs> to the interview. It's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Hot close. Thanks, Sonny. 
All right. Well, just to start things off, um, just, you know, you've had this career resurgence uh, the last couple of years. Uh, even recently, I think it's really reached its apex. Um, just come back, trace back to what your motivations for returning to the ring and what fueled these motivations and just, did you, did this exceed your expectations of what this was, you know, the fan response that you've been getting? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, uh, exactly what my, my expectations were and it's, it's right there on my expectations and, uh, uh, always wanted to, uh, you know, I was uh, really impacted by uh, Hulk Hogan when I was uh, a youngster, and uh, later on by Steve Austin, The Rock. Always wanted to impact uh, this business, this industry, as much as those guys, and uh, just was waiting for uh, the the opportunity and uh, everything. You know, like kind of fall into place uh, just the way it did. You know, like. Uh, Finally, all the, the pieces of the puzzle like you came together, and uh, uh, it's been like uh, since 2017, uh, especially 2019, and now 2019, uh, it's been nothing but uh, exactly what I always uh, wanted as as goals, you know, in my life and mm-hmm. in the wrestling business. How would you say, comparing to when you started almost, you know, over 30 years ago to now, how would you say your approach to the business has changed as the landscape of the business has changed? Uh, my approach to business has changed uh, mostly on the psycho- psychology sense of it. You know, like uh, the way uh, I approach things in my life, the way I react uh uh, be a, like more proactive about you know uh, something that might happen, and uh, you know the, a lot of uh, a lot of failures. You know, uh, how to fall to fail a lot in order to succeed, and um, sometimes when I had like failures, uh, uh, you know, I knew I had to to accept you know uh, this. As, as something as a growing experience in order to be able to succeed and also to keep the vision that eventually things uh, will, you know, will finally, you know, uh, work in my favor instead of uh, working against me. I mean, you know, things, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, the different things that are, that are happening in my life, you know, I just, it, it just, it's just been a tremendous, uh, you know, like amount of work on myself as a human being in order to, to be able to succeed. And um, as far as the business itself, uh, it's pretty much the, the same, you know, the, the backstage and, and all that and the, the way that, you know, you have like just a few champions and you have like everybody that wants the same goal and things like that. So, you know, it, it's pretty much the same. Uh what has changed in the business is mostly uh, the pace is like faster. Uh, you have more combos, you have more sequences. Um, the psychology in the ring has changed a lot. So I had to, to evolve with, with the new style of wrestling and things like that. And uh, that, that was like kind of a... I always embrace changements, you know, the, the, the thing that change in life, you know. So it was kind of a... 
it's all right for me, you know, to embrace that path. So it's been like, uh, it's been pretty cool. I mean, I had like some tough times. I had some hard times. I had some doubts at one point, you know, I wasn't sure if things was going to happen the way, you know, I would want them to happen. And since we've been expected to happen, as late as it is right now in my life, you know, I was expecting to do that maybe at 35 or 40 years old. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I'm very happy with the end results. I mean, yeah. where, where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the, the uh, what, you know, things and changes in the business. Um, you know, the when you were starting out and through your, the first part of your career, you know, it was this whole rock star uh, lifestyle with wrestling, um, a lot of, a lot of your coworkers have passed away and, and things, you know, hard times and things like that. Um, you know, what have you noticed now with the locker rooms that you've been going to that you see the youngster, the young stars today and, and what they're, they're doing and, and just behind the scenes, just talk about how the, you know, the atmosphere has changed, you know, when you go to these buildings and, and you work your coworkers in the locker room. I mean, I, I, it would be hard for me to say that the coworker has changed because I think I'm the first one who changed first. So by changing my way, my perceptions of things, uh, it's hard to compare how I was. Because I was different, you know. I, I fell into a lot of a, like you said, you know, the the fame, the glory, the money. You know, there's a lot of traps there when you're you're a youngster. You're now 23, 24, 25 years old, and suddenly you're making, you know, uh, tons of money and and you're all over the TV and like all over the world on TV and prime time TV and you know people recognize you uh, pretty much everywhere you go and things like that. So it, it kind of creates you know like um, uh, the the reality kind of change in your life and you, you, without knowing it you know you start to be less humble and you start to think that you're maybe more important than others and. You have something special that others don't have, and and you started taking things for granted, and you, you forget, you know, that you, you you're just uh, you're just some as important as all the other human beings, uh, and then you um, it, it, that's why you know it changes, like you know, uh, all the, the the things that I went through when I was younger. Uh, if, you know, I was uh, traveling with people or I was sitting at a bar with other boys and they were, you know, uh, not happy who was the chain, the champ, who, who was, like, getting a push or who was getting, uh, you know, who was, uh, they were investing money on. And you had, like, a group of guys that, you know, you're sitting with them and they start the, the bitching and moaning around other guys and, you fall into that trap that you get that negativity, you know, and then you start to hate them and you start to give them as much hate as they give you and it goes back and forth and it creates, you know, a lot of uh, loss of energy, a loss of losing your focus on what you want to accomplish and, and you start to drift away from your goals and that's the major thing that happened when I was younger. You know, I, I drift away totally from my goals, getting caught in different traps. And uh, I think, you know, this time around, I'm trying to stay, you know, uh, focus on my goals, put my energy on my goals. Uh, I don't hang out that much with guys. I hang out maybe at a restaurant, you know, go for a quick meal or something like that. I'm not going to stay out 
I don't want to get too much involved in conversations about other guys and giving too much my opinion. I'm trying to, you know, just focus on what I have to do. That's basically yeah. the, the difference. Um, and then, you know, the how has your training regimen changed? I mean, like, you're 51 years old, but you're, the way you move in the ring, it's like, it's incredible just to witness, like, and anyone that goes to any shows in Ring of Honor, outside of Ring of Honor, just sees the things that you do and just how you'll kind of a, it create this electricity with the, with the audience and just the way your your style is and how you're able to kind of maintain that style. Um, what, what, what Talk about your, your training regimen and just how you're able to maintain this pace. Yeah, it's the way, it's the way I train, you know, I, I get up early, you know, when, when I'm a, when I'm not on the road, when I'm on the road, it's hard to get up early. It's mostly I have to get up early, you know, to catch a flight or to get a ride back to another show and things like that. But, you know, I'm going to have like two or four days in a row where I'm going to be really, really like uh, busy just traveling. But every time I have like uh, some days, some days off, which they're not days off, but some days when I'm not wrestling, I'm going to hit the wrestling ring. I'm going to hit like the mat. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the gym like, uh, you know, get up at uh, six in the morning and you know work out hard, you know, and uh, just just get out of my zone of comfort and and uh, train in the cold, uh, uh, do different trainings. And I use that was uh, I don't really train like uh, just like weightlifting, you know. It's uh, a lot of isometrics, a lot of. Uh, Pilates, a lot of like uh, Tabata, a lot of different style of workouts, and um, I mix up a lot of things uh, just to uh, increase my speed, uh, increase uh, my agility, have a strong core, and different things like that. So I'm working a lot of uh, different aspects uh, of my physique that, that are important, you know, in order to be uh, like a top performance in the ring. And I'm hitting those, you know, pinpoint those those goals and really working hard at it. That's that's mm-hmm. the main uh, that's the main goal. So it's really, uh, you know, working really really hard and and giving the extra mile all the time, the extra rep, the extra set, the the extra you know move, the extra practice, you know, and. Uh, trampoline part of extra, 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 sweating like my ass off. Did it's you say you worked at a, a trampoline park? Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, I'll okay. go, try to go uh, once a week, uh, work on different things, uh, just just hitting like uh, a regular backflip, you know, or, you know, jumping backflip, landing on my feet, uh, hitting uh, maybe 25, 30 moon salts and, uh, you know, front front row, uh, up in the air, like something, something like the third rope, like you know, like it's, it's a stage where I go and uh, I land on a mattress on top of uh, foam cubes. Uh, it's just a setup, the perfect setup to practice different things and uh, just just you know keep moving always, you know, and 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 also trying different moves like uh, I practice the things that I haven't hit in the ring yet, but I'm still working at it, you know. Because my goal is to improve every year. It's not to, it's, it's just to, you know, next month when I'm going to do things that I wasn't doing like two months ago or this summer. So it's always that increasing the pace, increasing um, the work rate in the ring as well. So I'm working at it. I don't say it's going to show like some 
from you know pay per view to pay per view and TV tapings to TV pay tapings. I don't I don't uh, necessarily mean you'll be able to see it in, in a couple of months. It would mean six months or eight months from now you'll be a difference. You'll see a difference. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, you created quite a buzz for yourself last year. Uh, before you decided to sign with Ring of Honor, did you get any other uh, offers, whether it's WWE or Impact Wrestling or any others, just to get, you know, to sign on? with? Which, what was your motivation to sign with Ring of Honor? Um, and then just to, well, did you get any other interest? What was – just talk, take me through that process yeah, last year. Yeah, I've been approached, I've been approached by a, a lot of uh, many companies – uh, it wasn't just Ring of Honor in the race. Uh, I don't want to name the their, their, their companies because uh, just uh, just being respectful for, for those companies and just wanting to you know brag about that. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't content others. And uh, what made me choose Ring of Honor was like uh, their approach, their professionalism. The way that uh, they they approach me, and uh, the villain enterprise is really like uh, something that I believed in. I really thought that, that it was a cool uh, faction, cool idea. I knew Marty School from England when I was there in 2008. I knew uh, they came from you know my 2018. Uh, uh, run where I shooting with them over MLW and Bola and different other uh, big companies like uh, PWG and different uh, other stage like Smash Wrestling in Canada on Fight Network and um, I just had like a pretty good chemistry with them so when those names were brought up to me uh, it felt like okay it's going to be a good chemistry right there and uh I see that thing that was uh, ROH and Marty's idea, basically. So, you know, uh, I thought it was really cool and, uh, the way everything uh, kind of manifests in my life. It was, a, it was a cool thing, you know. Uh, it was, that was, uh, if I wanted to, something, I was expecting something, I was expecting something to be as cool as it, as it came. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, I, I love the uh, dynamic that you have for Villain Enterprises because you're the, you know, the veteran, and then you have Marty who's been around for a while and, and created a great career for himself so far. And then you have Brody King who's fairly new to the business. Um, just how do you guys just bring this, this bond together? I mean, uh, do you guys hang out, out outside of the ring? Or what are, do you have co- collaboration sessions uh, through the week? Just talk about what it means to be a, a unit and, you know, outside the ring. Oh. Yeah, we hang out a lot, like, uh, when we're on the road for shows. Uh, sometimes we text each other, we, we talk over the phone. Uh, it's pretty more really uh, the, the phone I'm talking is one of the popular things during the, the years that we're living on. But text messages, you know, um, and we hang out, like, uh, a lot together, like, uh, after shows. And, you know, we always, like, uh, get something, uh, you know, the bed to eat together. Oh, it's pretty much like three guys that are pretty uh, straight edge guys. You know, we we don't we don't party. None of us like really party or really like uh, really go crazy going on and things like that. So I'm pretty pretty much a, a straight. Uh, my problem is for sure like the straight edge guy. Um, 
and uh, really can't get things through. And, and Marty's a pretty quiet guy. So um, as far as his lifestyle, but uh, he's like the fewer villain in the ring. Really can like like six six three hundred pounds, you know, and I'm like not really. And so it creates you know a, a total different dynamics, and um, I think it, it creates the perfect uh, perfect blend, the perfect mix. And that's why uh, we're having so much fun. Yeah. And then you have your big match against the Briscoes coming up. Um, you know, do you, how do you prepare, do you prepare for a pay-per-view match? You know, this is a big time, big time match for you on pay-per-view, returning to pay-per-view. Uh, a lot of new fans maybe who don't watch the shows during the week or um, even the internet pay-per-views, uh, they might watch the traditional. But for someone who's not seen you before and, and seen this group together and knowing the team that the Briscoes are, what can fans expect from this match for the tag team titles? Well, it's really pretty much like a pretty wild match. And I think, uh, I don't know, what, like right now, I don't know what the stipulations are right now, but uh, the way that everything has been, you know, like uh, happening uh, in the past, the few times that we have met on single matches or on, on uh, six-man tags. And, um, it's been pretty wild, and when they attacked us uh, at the end of the tag uh, wars in Texas, you know, uh, it was big chaos and things like that. So I think we're on that path where uh, the uh, unexpected is expected. <laughs> All right. I think it's going to be pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't doubt thing. that. Um so do you have a dream opponent right now? You know, you look at the roster of Ring of Honor, um, even they have a relationship with New Japan as well. Um, just do you have an opponent now with today's scene or uh, that you kind of look towards that you want to face? Or? Well, I mean, uh, you know, like it's, it's certainly like really pretty cool. It's like every every arena that we've been like uh, – We've been wrestling when Ring of Honors are like major arenas, you know, they're, they're great locations. Uh, going to Vegas, and then going to Madison Court Garden later on in April, you know, and sold out MSG. New York, you know, uh, 20,000 tickets sold in, tw- in less than 20 minutes. Um, the, the Honor Clubs, you know, like memberships, you know, they're increasing and increasing, you know, all the time. Um, like you said, there's more new fans attracted to Ring of Honor all the time. Um, and it's just a great atmosphere, you know, the, the fans are great. Uh, we're producing, like, great shows all the time. And um, the, the goal is, like I said, you know, the goal is the same for me. It's, you know, reaching the highest honor, you know, uh, in the company. And uh, keep selling out like uh, eventually keep selling out like other buildings like the gardens, you know, like the National School Garden, and, and and that's that's the goal, you know. So uh, pretty much on path, and everything's looking good, and everything's feeling good, and uh, I'm very optimistic about the future. And uh, you said, well, what your dream opponent? And who's your dream opponent right now? Uh, someone that you want to face. You've always wanted to face, or want to face. I mean, there's so many, there's so many. I mean, a lot of people are bringing names up, and whoever they put in in front of me, you know, I'll be ready for it. You know, I'll be ready for that opponent. And I don't have any like really dream uh, opponent match. You know, it's uh, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know, Ring uh, of Honor matchmakers and or New Japan affiliates uh, matchmakers like do their job and uh, just, just you know, uh, make the best, the best performance possible out of it, and then something that people will remember because you know I want something to be special. So just, just getting ready for any opportunities. Yeah, how how long are you committed to Ring of Honor right now? Is it for a year? Is it a long term deal? Right it was now? for a year. It was okay. for a year. I mean, I signed uh, December first until December first next year. Uh, both parties, you know, uh, that's what we wanted, so we, we didn't have a problem to agree on the on the situation of the one year uh, deal. And uh, you know, we we're constantly talking, having discussions, so. It might uh, extend, you know, there's, there's good chances it might extend. So uh, we're, uh, we're talking all the time. So it's not uh, one of those deals where, you know, you're signing a deal for a year, like a year or two years, and you don't talk for a year, and and uh, just a month before you lose Kevin Edmund, you start talking about it. You know, it's like, it's, like, uh, yeah. it's, it's a great company because, Creative and their talent uh, work hands and hands together, and they're not trying to get help. They're not trying to get something out of you. It's not you, and they want you to feel comfortable with what they want to, um, you know, uh, what's going to happen in the ring or what's going to happen during the show. You want their their talent to be comfortable with what they have to do and the way they have to perform. They're not going to ask them. To do something which is going to be out of their personality, or out of their identity, or out of their what they believe in, and, and if they believe that it fits with what they're trying to accomplish in the ring. So I think this great, great uh, mindset, company culture, uh, probably one of the greatest companies I've worked for, as far as having a, a culture like that where. You involve uh, your talent, uh, the creativity of your talent, as much as the, the creative team wants to be involved uh, working together. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great. And last question, um, just you know, you touched on a little bit working Madison Square Garden. You know, you you have a history with Madison Square. You've worked plenty of shows there. How is this going to be different uh, from the past times that you've worked there? Well, it's different in a way that uh, it's going to be my first show with Ring of Honor, and uh, so that's 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 a special thing for me. Uh, and also going back to one of my favorite buildings that I've worked in, you know, match with Bill Hart, uh, winning tag team titles there uh, before. Um, it's uh, it's a very historical building. It's uh, very prestigious building, a lot of artists, comedians, singers, all kinds of people that are uh, so popular or so popular or did, you know, uh, mark the history big time, uh, perform there. And just having the opportunity to go, to go there and perform there uh, in front of the Ring of Honor uh, crowd and, and fans and Spoilers, this, this is uh, going to be uh, 
also, you know, I'm just going to be crazy. I mean, I'm really pumped. I'm really, uh, really pumped for that show to give like I do on every show with my all-time best performance. So, I mean, this is going to be great. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I mean, I just saw you uh, at your show in Lakeland, and, uh, you know, I've seen you in the past, but just, you know, seeing you in person and just, you know, what you do, it's, it's a true inspiration for anyone of any age and shows that age is uh, just a number, I think, to not just wrestling fans, but everyone in general. Yeah, it's just, it's just you know, working hard and believing in yourself, you know, and uh, believing in what you do. And, 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 and more, the most important thing about it is being passionate about it and having fun with what you're doing and mm-hmm. especially being passionate about it. There's nothing like, for me, you know, walking into the airport, having my suitcases with me, my carry-ons with me, you know, and, and going to a show and being at the airport and, and and saying to myself, this is what I was born for. This is my life. This is where I'm the more most anxious, you know, time of my life, just being here at the airport, going to my shows. This is what I thrive for. This is my drive. And this is what fueled me all my life. This is my the goal of my childhood. So it's just been like an insane feeling crazy, you know, I've been like so grateful and so thankful uh, that all this is happening to me, but I'm I'm busting, you know, like, like I said, I'm working so hard, making uh, sure that I put all uh, the efforts and the the will and the word and the discipline to making it happen, so it's uh, been really blessed and I'm really happy with the way things are going. Yeah, well, congratulations on all the success. Thanks so much again. Have a good night. And, and thank you for, 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 you know, for what you said, like like you said, you in Florida. Thank you very much, and thanks for the opportunity to have me on your show. Uh, thanks a lot. really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, no problem. All right, have a good night. All right, thank you. Thank you, Scott Fishman. Thank you, PCO. Thank you, Sonny Kiss. And thank you, Michael, for joining me mm. here for the, the first weekly of the week. We covered a lot of ground today. Wow. We were like a steamroller. We, we got a little slow to get started. But, man, once we were going, you couldn't stop us. God, just that freakish beefcake. I'm going to put my fingers. <laughs> now I'm imagining him and Dana, and I really get I get, I get Dana Warrior and Vince McMahon. It's like, really, I get it. I get, uh-huh. I get it. What a second. She just pitches him like ideas that are just rehashes of the w- Ultimate Warriors women, right? That's all Vince, it is. Vince is like, come, come out on my boat. My boat's called the Sexy Bitch. It is. <laughs> wow, that's a real. Your thing. vision and my vision of Vince McMahon are, are very different. He has a boat called Sexy Bitch. <laughs> I just, uh, well, I just. Uh, uh, anyway all right um tomorrow we're gonna be back we got this is a huge week i've i've backlog i've i did so many interviews last week raj has been very gracious with me this week giving me a little time to breathe and you know get my life back in track it was a whirlwind for me last week um but uh tomorrow on the show we're gonna have two more interviews usually we just do one today we had two we're gonna have two interviews all week long Tomorrow, uh, I when I was at MLW, I had a chance to sit down and do some in-person interviews, which I don't get to do that often. Um, but I interviewed Ray Phoenix. And um, Big Git, half the Lucha Brothers, absolutely loved the discussion with Ray about finding his spot in America right now as a Hispanic superhero is fascinating. Great interview. You'll like that. And also on the show tomorrow, we'll have an interview with newly re-signed Impact Wrestling superstar, 
Eddie Edwards, talking about how he is slowly becoming the face of that promotion or would like to be. So uh, come back tomorrow for that stuff. Uh, tonight, if you want even more Wrestling Inc. audio uh, or video, go over to the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. Uh, watch the post-SmackDown discussion tonight. It is, are you on the Smack? Is this another one for you, or is it the regular no, crew? Regular it, crew. it is. I, I could not make it tonight. I already had a, a regularly scheduled broadcast for myself. So anyway, I can't do tonight. But um, yeah, you guys should join the guys. It'll be Nick and um, Glenn, or not Nick, you're Nick and Raj. Raj and Glenn will be back tonight with all of your SmackDown conversation. Got it. Awesome. And uh, there will be a, uh, so yes, check that out. Uh, the audio will drop over on iTunes uh, as soon as the live stream wraps up. And then, of course, it is uh, Fastlane this Sunday. Our good friend Brian Wool will have his previews and predictions out later this week. We're going to have continued coverage of everything going into Fastlane this Sunday on pay-per-view. And uh, that's it for all of uh, my announcements for this week. Uh, Michael, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show? Not much, man. Just as always, follow me on Twitter. I am at the real Wiseman. Give me your feedback. You can follow me on Instagram to see pictures of my dogs and cats. That is at Wiseman.ma. And um, yeah, I have some more stuff coming to the website article-wise this week and next. So it should be cool. Check it out, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. We're having a blast here at the Winkly. Uh, I would like to, I've been really bad. Like I keep saying, oh, I'll do the hashtag Winkly mailbag on Thursdays. I'm really going to try this week, but don't hold me to it. But what I will say is, I'm getting interested in uh, getting a new theme song for the show. Because right now it's yeah. just that, which is maybe playing right now underneath me. What, what is Flo Rida doing these days? Is he open to this? I don't this know. But good. if you're a songster out there, if you have got an idea for a Wrestling Inc. Winkly podcast theme song, uh, I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Hit me up. Use the hashtag Winkly if you like. Uh, use the hashtag Winkly. You know what? I will try to do a mailbag this week just because so many people last night tried to let me know how much more they knew about wrestling booking than me. And just all the defenders, all the people that pray to the shrine of Vince McMahon before they fall asleep and tell me, hey, it's okay. Y you know what? The, my favorite tweet last night that literally had me turn off Twitter because I couldn't read anymore. Uh, what's wrong with cheering for everyone in the match? What's wrong with liking everyone in the match, Michael? What's? It's great. Everybody's everybody's over because you like them all so much. Yeah, but you can't have every. There's got to be conflict. It's the classic <laughs> hero's journey, right? Oh, I looked at that and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to sleep. All right. And with that, I'm done with the show today. Thank on you. On that all. note. <laughs> on that note, I'm done. Thank you all very much for tuning in. I'll be live tweeting through SmackDown Live tonight as well. Uh, and remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.